Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Are you ready for retirement? Chris Durow of Three Hats Financial has a retirement readiness checklist that may help. I'm Patrice Sikora. Chris, look, I have to admit, I'm looking at the first item on your checklist, and I have to say, I have no answer to it myself. What type of retirement am I choosing? What are my choices here? <laughs> yes, well, like anything in life, there is choices. So I'll get to that in a sec. But thanks, Patrice. So I'll get to your question in a moment here. But today I want to talk about creating a retirement checklist. We spoke about this in previous episodes, but obviously deciding to retire is a pretty big decision. Mm -hmm. So like retiring too late, you may not have the energy to enjoy it. You may miss out on a big chunk of your active retirement. Listeners may remember, I've always said there's two phases to retirement. There's active and late. So active is when you can do everything, travel, um, hobbies, fitness, all that stuff. And then late is much later in life when you're not as mobile, not able to travel and all that. So if you retire too late, you might miss a big chunk of the active stage of retirement. Mm -hmm. You retire too early, you could end up in financial trouble if you don't necessarily have a plan and then that's going to stress you out and you're not going to enjoy this chapter that you've been working so long to eventually enjoy. So how can you know if you're truly ready to retire? The two most popular times in the year to retire that I see is right before the summer or the Christmas, New Year's time in the year. Those are the two most popular. That kind of makes some sense though too. I mean, you, you see the summer coming, you want to spend time having fun. And then the holidays give you time to think about it and go, all right, I, I want to be with the family more. Yeah. And, and, and it's some people will just, they're going to retire, but they use up their holidays. So they don't have to work Christmas, New Year's, or you have some people that they do want a January one official right. retirement date yeah. for taxes. So those summer, the Christmas, New Year's, those are the two most popular ones by far. Um, because we're getting close to summer months after a very long winter, <laughs> I just wanted to run through a checklist of 10 points for anyone that may be retired. Now, these are only some points. Of course, there could, there's many more I could talk for three hours about all the points, but I'm just going to go through 10 main ones today. So a retirement checklist. Well, what is a checklist? Basically what it is, it's a type of job aid used to reduce failure by compensating for potential limits of human memory and attention. It helps us to ensure consistency and completeness in carrying out a task, says Wikipedia. <laughs> I was going to say, where did you get that? Yeah, that's, not, that's not my language. You can tell that. <laughs> uh, but that's just really what a checklist is. My wife, Tina, is crazy about checklists, even to the point... <laughs> Her sisters warned me about that in their wedding speech to me and how crazy she is with her checklists. So I've got checklists constantly around me everywhere, the house, kids, work, all that. So she loves them, but I do admit they, they do help. Okay, so let's dive in here and, and back to your question, Patrice. What type of retirement are you choosing? Is yeah. it gonna be point one? So under ideal circumstances, 
there's three choices that you can use to transition away from work. One is a phased retirement, two is a full retirement, and three is continuing to work into re in retirement, which I call a great retirement, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. So phased retirement, are you gonna test the waters first before making the leap and slow down on your hours? Like working from home during this pandemic might be giving some people a small taste of what a phased retirement is like, giving people a bit of a window into, hmm, this is might be a good introduction on what it would be like retiring. So reducing the hours that you're in the office can help you ease you into a new routine where you'll be spending most of your time at home. Um, you also have some flexibility with your schedule, which will allow you and your spouse to start experimenting with shared and separate calendars that will let you both get things done without driving each other nuts. <laughs> so the pandemic has forced us, all of us to kind of reassess the people experiences and the goals that mean the most to us. So phasing into retirement can kind of help you fine tune your work-life balance as you continue to process everything that's going on right now, how social distancing has affected you professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. So this has been COVID and the social, like social distancing, working from home and all of that has been able to give a rare window for some people into how retirement may look before they actually do it. Uh, and that's the first choice is that phased retirement. Now, hold on a second. Suppose your employer says, okay, you can try a phased retirement, you cut back on your hours, but then you find out, you know, I'm not ready for this yet. Are employers likely to say, oh, all right, then come on back full time? Depending on the employer, a lot are because they don't want to lose the experience and mm -hmm. they don't want to go through the hassle of finding another employee. So we see those options, especially now with people with employers being much more open to working from home and online, we're mm -hmm. seeing more flexibility than we have in previous years. The next phase uh, would be making the leap, full retirement. You're putting the lie in the sand and you're saying that once that date comes, you're retiring. So like perhaps being away from your job is making you realize you're too used to doing unfulfilling work for a paycheck that's not making your life any better. And that's a lot of people that are not happy with where they work. Right. So if you've been putting off retirement, the experience of social distancing might have motivated you to stop waiting and start doing as soon as life gets back to normal. And social distancing has created a separation for a lot of people between our sense of self and our jobs that some people might find a little unnerving. And that feeling is very common among new full retirees. Even those who are following a long established plan and retiring wholly on their terms, if you're leaning towards a full retirement right now, you just want to talk to your spouse about how you'd like to reframe your identity and start living a freer and more fulfilling life after work. Patrice, we were just talking about um, how some people's whole identity is work. Yes. And you, you can't just, we'll get into this a little bit more, but just jumping right into retirement, that can be pretty tough for a lot of people that have, that their, their whole identity is their, their career. Right. Well, think about what you say to someone when you meet them. Hi, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of factors there, but the third phase is what I call a gray retirement, which is working in retirement. So even before the coronavirus, more and more seniors were choosing to work after retiring. That's a trend that we've been seeing for the last 10 years. So today, retirees are healthier and more active. Some are working like past 65 because they just simply love what they do and they're just not ready to retire. 
Others transition to part-time jobs, a completely different job, just to let them explore other interests mm-hmm. while still, while even still earning a paycheck. And many retirees also want to top off their retirement and savings accounts. So they continue to work because they're able to, and they just really don't want to stop working. And that way their nest eggs can keep pace with their, with the increased life expectancy that we're seeing a lot of retirees have, which is a good thing. So the interesting thing is coronavirus has kind of accelerated this trend a bit more that we've seen. So while social distancing, many seniors have gained greater proficiency with technologies like Zoom, Skype, Slack, all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just seen from my own clients, because we have a significant amount of retirees, that their skill set with this has increased because they kind of were forced into it to even just want to talk to their grandkids, their curling club, all kinds of things. Yeah. So what we've seen is those skills have now opened up a whole new world of potential remote jobs for these seniors, including teaching and consulting positions. That's great. Yeah. Like I I was just speaking to a a client of mine the other day, he's a retired professor. He's retired and uh, he worked his butt off when he was working. And he just told me that day, which I found really interesting is he's been retired for about two years and he goes, yeah, I just finished the absolute biggest project consulting job I've ever done <laughs> because it was, it was needed with the times does research and it was just all done through technology. So like he's retired and he worked for a very long time and here he did just completed the, one of the biggest jobs he's ever done. Do you see a lot of people saying, this is it, I'm retiring. As you said, that line in the sand, that date, and then a year or two, they come back later and say, I started doing something part-time. Yep. And we go through that. I actually warn them of that. I, it's usually the 18 to 24 months. I've had some even come back to me. Uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of an, uh, a, a recent uh, a doctor. And he came back. He goes, you told me 18 to 24 months. It's been 10 months. And he goes, <laughs> I, I need to do something. He goes, I'm already through my whole house, my whole to-do list. I go, I built the shed. He goes, I've done everything. He goes, so, yeah, come so, to my house. <laughs> so when we go through that, when we go through a retirement coaching process with our clients, we, we have a whole segment on that where we kind of just bring that up because that's very common. Well, what about determining what you're going to need in retirement? I see that's your number two note here. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just touch real quickly on back. That is that once again, retirement doesn't have, so those are your three choices. Mm-hmm. And retirement doesn't have to be black and white anymore, meaning it doesn't have to be all or none. It can be gray, meaning you can still still choose to work, but under your terms. And just because I've done this a a couple hundred times through other clients, (laughs) I tell people getting close to retirement, I know from dealing with so many retirees that it's a very different environment, even if you're at the same employer, when you're now working under your terms versus theirs. Mm -hmm. So- it, it, it doesn't have to be black and white like it used to be before. Okay. So yes, back to determining your retirement needs now. Patrice, this is definitely one of the biggest questions people have is when they think about retiring is like, I don't know how much. Sure. Yeah. And there's, you can Google that. And there's so many rules of thumb on this. A 4%, 4% withdrawal rate, annual retirement income times 25, 70% of your working income, pre-retirement income multiplied by 10 to 14 times. There's there's all kinds of different ways. Those are generic though. You have to do it specifically to your lifestyle, obviously. So what we do for our clients is go through a cash flow plan. 
And my first question would be to anyone listening to this that's getting close to retirement is, have you reviewed your cash flow plan? If you've never done one, you need to do that. Got to get on it. This is more than just a budget. Yeah, I don't like the word budget, um, but cash flow plan is you're basically just looking at what your lifestyle costs right now. And that's also, you can do that every month and it's going to change a bit. Mm-hmm. You just have to get a general idea, a pretty good idea of what your lifestyle for you and your spouse or your, as you and an individual costs. That's really the first step. So what you can do is go to my website top right corner resources, there's a retirement shift worksheet. And what that is, is that helps first you figure out what expenses will stay the same, what will go up, what will go down, what will go away, or what's going to be new expenses in retirement. Got to figure that out first because your expenses most likely are going to change. And this check sheet just goes through that to kind of help you figure that out. Once you've done that, you can then just scroll down and download it in the same resource section and download my cash flow sheet. And now input the values of what your, your lifestyle will cost you. This will give you an idea of what you will need per year, per month to retire. And then we always recommend, like with our clients, we review this every year. Right. That's So you're going to put in your monthly expenses and everything else. And then you're, now the income part, you got to write down all the sources of income in retirement, such as CPP, OAS. If you're lucky enough to have an employer pension, great. Um, we just talked about a gray retirement. If you're going to work part-time, you're going to put that income in conservatively mm-hmm. and you're going to add up all the guaranteed sources of income and see what that comes out as. Ideally, you want the guaranteed sources of income I just mentioned to cover your non-discretionary expenses. And if you're lucky, even a good chunk of discretionary expenses, because that just puts you in a pretty yeah. comfortable spot knowing, hey, Worst case scenario, my bare essentials are being covered no matter what. Yeah. And I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. So once you've added up all the guaranteed income sources of income, is there a gap? How much do you still need? Well, the difference of that needs to come from your portfolio or working part-time. And you now need to figure out what amount is that that you're going to need monthly from that sources. And now, if you want to take it further, this is getting a little bit more further, but then you take Mm -hmm. it further by multiplying that amount by your years of average life expectancy, putting a conservative rate of return, inflations and taxes and all that. But this is now why I will touch later on why. Yeah, they need someone like you. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. At this stage in life, it's really important to have a financial professional to help you go through this. So anyways, that's, that's a big, that's obviously everyone's number one question. So that's another point. Three is, do you have an emergency fund? So this is, I don't need to speak long about this. Most people know that it's just extra cash somewhere in case something comes up. So basically it's a buffer in your savings account or checking account, or you can even have it in your portfolio and a cash or money market type fund, just somewhere safe. I suggest keeping it away from your main banking account. So as your checking account, as I tell people, as your family's operating account, um, you don't want to have a commingle there because it's easy to dip into that. So right. it's better if it's yeah. somewhere else. But you want it in cash? Yes, for that. Yes, because it's meant, this is the thing is that you don't want ridiculous amounts of money sitting in cash because obviously it could be doing other things for you. But you want experts say anywhere between three to six months of monthly expenses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just having that buffer there for unexpected expenses or emergencies. And retirees, 
I'm not so much worried about them not having a much there. I run into more of the problem where they have too much and it makes them feel very comfy having that there. And they like looking every day (laughs) and it just sits there, especially with, with this last year, it's been a big problem because retirees, a lot of them are just getting the same money monthly, right? Pensions, everything else. And they're like, it just keeps building, but we can't spend it. And a high interest savings account or a GIC is paying next to nothing because the interest rates. So it's, I call like dead money just sitting there. So you don't want to have too much there. And that's where like three to six months of your roughly your monthly expenses after doing your cash flow form, you'll know what that is, is kind of a good enough buffer there. Okay. All right. So four debt. In an ideal world, we'd all love to retire without any debt. Since your income is likely to decrease and any fixed payments will start to take up a larger share of that of your expenses. So if you're nearing retirement, it's time to obviously, well, it's always a time to take a look at your debt, right? Uh, especially because interest rates are so low that you want to take advantage of that and get this paid off before they start to creep up. Statist- Statistics Canada has said one in three retirees hold some form of debt. And we've seen this firsthand over the last decade. We're just seeing more retirees with mortgages and debt than we've ever seen before. It just, it, a decade ago, it was actually more, it was just more rare to see it especially a mortgage. I just didn't see that that much. Is that because people have been, have been refinancing their homes? Refinancing their homes. Another contributor to it, which is also very different is the adult children, um, helping them out more, which 10 years ago, we didn't see as much to get them in, to get your, their adult children into houses and help them out. They're kind of like, well, they're going to get this anyways. So when they, we pass away, I see them struggling now. I want to help them now. Uh, and, and that's, that's definitely contributed to this. So with debt, first thing you need to do is take an inventory of all your debt. Some people will kind of turn a blind eye to this because they, they actually don't want to see it all added in one place. Makes them feel better if it's in different silos. <laughs> um, but then it's also much harder to address. So you got to add it all up and make sure you know exactly what it is. And being realistic too. Like some people will tell me they have no debt. And then I'm like, well, you have a mortgage. Well, that's not, everybody has a mortgage. That's not debt. And I've, I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard that. So yes, it is debt. Mm-hmm. All of that has to be accounted for. And figuring out how much is owed, your interest rates, repayment terms, all that. So from there, you can start to prioritize how you're going to pay it off. First, focusing on the high interest debt, obviously, and getting that paid off and making your way down what I call the interest rate ladder paying the highest uh, interest rate first. And these payments, if we go back to the cash flow sheet, you got to put those payments in your cash flow sheet, especially if you're going to have payments in retirement on a mortgage or anything else like that, because that has to be accounted for. Right. I'm really a fan of simplifying the debt and just putting it, like if you have multiple debts, putting them into a low interest uh, rate home equity line of credit if possible. Yeah, just consolidating everything so you know you have that payment and that payment alone. Yeah, because when it comes to money, the more the more simpler you make it, the better. And doing that can definitely help. Now, the risk is you pay off credit cards, all this stuff with your line of credit. You don't want to now start racking the credit cards back up because now you're no further ahead. And that was going to be my next question. You know that's what people do. Yeah. So obviously, you want to avoid that. If there's multiple credit cards, like I could talk for a whole show on debt, obviously, but if there's multiple credit cards, 
go down to one. Always think with your money simple. The simpler it is, the easier it is, and the better it'll be for you. So if you have multiple credit cards, go down to one. If you have a balance, who cares what they're giving you? I don't care if they're giving you points, travel points, does not matter. If you carry a balance in your credit card, you should have a low interest rate credit card. And a lot of people don't even really know that it even exists, but you can Google that. And basically a low interest rate credit card is not paying the 21%. If you're getting points, you're paying close to 21% on your credit card for interest rates. Yeah, it, who cares if you're getting yeah. these points, but you're carrying a balance at 21% all the time. All right, then the next, next point that we're looking at here, changing your accumulation portfolio to a retirement income portfolio. Now we've talked about this in previous episodes, but it is an important mindset. Tell me about this. Yeah. So for these people getting close to retirement, you've been investing obviously for years. Now you're getting closer to retirement. Well, you can't use the same tool for a different job. You wouldn't do that in other aspects of your life. So the portfolio you've been using to build your retirement funds can't be the same portfolio you're going to use to provide income in retirement. The tool mm -hmm. must be aligned with the task at hand. Right. So now if you figured out what your retirement needs are, as discussed in point number two, figuring out you were, what, what, what your cash flow plan and everything else, you will know how much you're going to need from the portfolio. So let's just say it's, I don't know, approximately $30,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So since you have enough covering everything else with CPP, OAS, maybe working part-time or pension, you, need, you figure out that I'm still going to need $30,000 a year shortfall to cover everything else. That 30,000 you now know that you need, that should be in a cash wedge within the portfolio. So meaning you have a place in the portfolio that this amount is in cash so that if there's a market crash, you're not cashing out funds that have oh. now dropped in value to pay this out since right. that, will, that eats up the retiree's portfolio very quickly. And obviously you wanna avoid that. Got it. And then you should have a second wedge with another 30,000 or more, depending on the individual's circumstances, that can be in something very conservative so that you have roughly two years of income, not all invested within the portfolio that's gonna go up and down, up and down, up and down. That way you now have money protected for, to provide you income for close to two years if there's a significant recession. Mm -hmm. I've had, it's take, it takes me a bit with some clients that are, have been more aggressive investors over the years when they finally get close to retirement, because I, I basically tell them the years of having all your money invested in aggressive funds is over. Like you, you can't have hundred percent of your portfolio invested the way you did before. You have to have a portion that is in a cash wedge for retirement. The portfolio has to change. It can't stay the exact same. And they, it, bothers them a bit that they're like, well, that money though, it's not really invested. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not meant to be because that's going to provide you your income for the next year. So once again, it's just protection to avoid them drain down the portfolio faster than necessary because when they, with these retirees, this is their paycheck. And if, if they don't all have the options, like we did last year, when, especially in March, when everything started going down, some retirees don't have the options to say, you know what, shut everything down. I don't need anything from my portfolio. If they do, great. And some of our clients, we did that for because we that we knew they could not take income out if they needed to. But we have these cash wedges set up. It's just a lot of them are like, well, I don't need anything because I can't spend it. Others were like, nope, everything. We're very happy we have this. 
because we know that we're not cashing out funds right now to, to, to pay us. Right. And as you've mentioned before, if their investments go down in a market uh, decline, it takes that, that much more time for them to come back again. So they've got to have some kind of safety. They should have some kind of safety. Yeah. It just, basically, it's just you can't have the same portfolio that you have to be accumulating, getting close to retirement. Right. That's like basically trying to play hockey with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about insurance then? As you get older, who cares? You really need insurance. Yeah. So insurance, you're going to want to make sure that you're obviously covered adequately for your situation. And old age comes with its own particular needs and you should consider this. So life insurance, do you need new coverage or can you convert a current policy in place so it becomes a permanent policy? Because a lot of people have term life insurance, which just means it covers you for a certain duration and expires. But as you, as long as you're still in that term, a lot of these larger companies, they give you options to be able to convert that without a medical into now a permanent life insurance policy, which just means it will cover you till the day you die. So over the years, I've had many people come to me and they say, wow, I'm getting close to 60 or I'm in my late fifties. And I never thought I would need life insurance. I just didn't think I would ever need it at this stage, but now this has changed this and this and this, I, I'm going to need some. So we want to make sure that we evaluate that and see what they have in place and see what their options are. It's just making sure that you're uh, not turning a blind eye to it and just addressing it. Maybe you don't need it, but you just want to make sure you go through that, see what you have and if, if it's needed or not. Okay. okay. Critical illness. A lot of people have those policies. I'm a huge advocate. I just did a podcast on that alone. Huge advocate, especially for young families with that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will have that and does it expire? Some people might get money back when it expires at age 65, 75. So there's those policies. But also there's some clauses in these policies that they will actually now convert or cover an individual for some potential long-term care coverages. So you just want to be able to look into that to make sure if you have that coverage available or not. Yeah, long-term care is a big thing these days. Yeah, yeah. Medical insurance. So in Canada, we have near universal health care, which we're fortunate. Um, sorry, Patrice. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am in the States and we have something called Medicare. <laughs> um, but it may not cover everyone's needs. So if they're traveling, they may need health insurance that covers you outside of Canada. Obviously right now, not really being needed that's since right. <laughs> people aren't traveling. But that's kind of a constant issue I see with my retirees is, is it's, it's interesting. Finally, they've retired. They have the time. They have the money. They're ready to travel, but then, oh crap, I never thought that my health would, would screw me over in my options. And now it's tougher for them to get insurance or it stresses them out because they may not be able to get the coverage they feel they would need. And it's just not something they really thought of when planning for retirement. And that's just something else to address once things start to open up and travel is allowed again. Yeah. Yeah. And they will, it will happen. It will happen. For sure. Yep. And okay. So seven, estate planning. Uh, have you made a will? Does it need updating? Prepare a will that clearly states how you want it, your estate to be dispersed after you die. This will just save your family a whole lot of stress and ensure that your wishes are respected. And let people know where that will is. 100%. And we addressed that. I don't yes. know if you remember in my episode number six, 
why everybody needs a will. So if somebody wants to listen to this in depth, hopefully after listening to that episode, it scares you enough to get it done. And you'll hear a point that is not addressed and you'll be like, okay, I know what them crap procrastinate on this. I really need to get this done. Right. And you're making a very good point here. A lot of these issues you have addressed in other podcasts. So folks, make sure you go back and you listen to Chris's other episodes of The Ride, Life, Work and Wealth. You can do it by just subscribing, but we'll get to that later. And I'm um, sorry, let's get back into here. I just want people to know that, yes, these have been covered in depth. So there are great places to go. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm back with the estate plan too. You want to get a power of attorney, which is going to give a person you trust the power to manage your finances and make decisions on your behalf if you're incapable of doing so. And there's less excuses now to get this done. Like people, wills are, it's just weird seeing it over my career, how people just procrastinate like crazy on getting these done. It's just the, it's just the awkward conversations, I guess, of talking about death and hmm. young parents. One of the biggest, toughest ones is who's going to take the kids if we're both gone. Because yeah. some would be like, there's no way your mother's getting it. And there's not, no, forget my sister. There's no way I wouldn't trust her with my pet rock and all this. I, I'm not talking, Amber, I'm not talking about you, my sister. I'm using examples. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to clarify that. Yeah. So anyways, there's many options now to get this done. And long gone are the days of traveling back and forth to the lawyer's office. Because you can just simply get this done online quick and, and efficiently. So, okay. Moving along here. Eight. The nine financial planning component of the checklist is basically talking about identity and purpose. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you know, I've talked about a lot about the mental side of retiring. And I feel this is quite overlooked, uh, especially in Canada. Usually when it comes to retirement, it's all about the accounts and the amounts. Right. And what you really need to ask is, you know what you're retiring from, but you know what you're retiring to. And how do you envision your retirement? All 62 and 65 year olds just to pick random ages are not created equal. And when it comes to retirement, many people have a different idea on what the retirement should look like. Everyone is wired uniquely in what is the most important in this phase of life. So it's not necessarily natural for someone just to dive right from full-time work into a full-time leisure. Right. That, that's a huge shift. But people just think, ah, whatever, I'll just retire at this date and start enjoying retirement. There needs to be a plan and assessment on what an individual wants in retirement. So they have a clear picture on what they're retiring to. And I did a whole episode on um, speaking about other mm -hmm. episodes, the qualitative part of retiring, which is episode 15 on how to retire well, part one. And then part two is on the quantitative part of retiring well, and that's episode 16. So I recommend people listen to both that are getting close to retirement. And those episodes, I'm basically going over these points just in a heck of a lot more detail. Yeah. All right, uh, nine, when to put your checklist together and go over it. So you can start this as early as 10 years out since there'll be points here that are applicable today for that individual. And you can do this if you're planning to retire next month or maybe you're already even in retirement, you could still use these. Obviously doing it further out before retirement is more ideal, but not every retirement's planned. And that's what a lot of people forget like statistics Canada has said that over 30% of people that retire do so because of health issues or let go by an employer or a situation that it's not controllable by them. So for that reason alone, it's good to go through this well in advance of when you'd like to retire since it's not always in our control and when the finish line is going to be. Right. 10. Uh, that's so getting professional help. 
There was a leer in my report that stated people need advice from a professional more at this point than at any other time in their entire life, hence the financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big transition, as I mentioned previously. Many people just think they'll fall into retirement and just figure it out. Um, a, a lot of people, this is a stat, have planned that more for a two-week holiday than their retirement. Don't that be is scary. That is scary. Yeah. But you know, too, I think back, my grandparents had pensions. They knew kind of what to expect, I think. But I don't believe that they did much planning. It was just, you did this. Today, there is no, no security like that. Yeah, and think of that. They just did that. And they had guaranteed income, most of them, because right. there's much, much more pension plans. But they also had shorter life expectancy. Yeah. So now, now, not so much, there's less guaranteed income, and there's a longer life expectancy, which means there needs to be a heck of a lot more planning in place beforehand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I tell my retired clients too is that this is, you've worked 30, 40 years to get to this stage. The last thing I want them to do is be in the grocery checkout line and look at Time Magazine and see how the cover of a market dropping and stress them out. Like you, by doing proper planning or working with someone that does all of this, that's the whole point you're paying them is to take away that so you're not stressing whenever you hear something on social media, the news, the market dropping and that. Because having a good retirement plan, it will, uh, it'll alleviate that. And you shouldn't be stressed and checking your investments all the time and stressing at retirement. You should be enjoying that chapter of your life. You worked so hard to get there. The last thing you should be doing is stressing about all of this all the time. So thinking of financial advisors, Chris, how can they reach you? Yeah, don't be one of the, basically don't be one of those people that we're talking about that you're only going to plan for your holidays for two mm -hmm. weeks and not about retirement. So contact us and we can have a chat and guide you through a retirement coaching program if you're close to this stage to get you and your money ready for this exciting next chapter. And you can do that by going through our, you can contact us through our website at threehatsfinancial.ca. And I will also encourage you to listen to the other episodes on preparing for retirement that we've done, since it just simply will help you educate you on other tools and steps that we take to get clients ready. And I can guarantee you'll really enjoy those episodes too. Just subscribe <laughs> to Chris DeRoe's podcast, The Ride, Life and Wealth. And not only those episodes, but you will get new episodes when they come out as well. And think of all the people around you who could use this information. So share with them. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.